Welcome back, everyone. This is Eric Elveson with the Digital Education Podcast. I uh, hope you've been having a great summer. Um, many of you are starting a school year, but we already have some who are in the midst of their school year. So today, uh, I'm super excited for today's conversation. I'm with a teacher who's doing some really cool stuff in regards to AI and, and work there. But Paul Matthews is coming from Tasmania, Australia. I guess it's his today. It's my tomorrow. Um, but it's really cool, Paul, to be with you. Tell me real quick, give it, give us the introduction of what my teacher aid is and, and the work that you're doing uh, through that. But you're also a teacher, too. So tell us about that. Sure. Well, look, Eric, really good to be with you this morning or this evening, whichever way you want to slice it. I'm, I'm really excited. I've followed your work for some time, so thanks for having me on. Uh, they often say that Tasmania is like the Texas of Australia, in that if you're from Tasmania, you don't really even say you're from Australia. You say you're from Tasmania, you know. So I'm a really proud uh, Tasmanian. Let me tell you about my teacher aid. So I'm a teacher. I teach in a high school called Calvin Christian School. Now, as it turns out, I've just tried Googling our school a few weeks ago, and there are about 5,000 Calvin Christian schools out there. So, uh, But I teach at Calvin Christian School in Hobart, Tasmania. But what I see all around Australia, Eric, is that educators are having a really rough time. Now, I don't know so much about the American scene, but I know in Australia, if you're an adult, you've got a one in 10 chance of burning out. If you're a teacher, that's one in two. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that eye-watering. I love education. I love Christian education. And I want as many educators as I can training and inspiring the next generation. But we just see the churn rate is so high. And that's why, as we saw these developments in AI, a good friend of mine, the co-founder of my teacher aid and another high school teacher, he said, mate, we got to do something here. we got to do something. We can actually use this technology to keep more teachers in the classroom. So, so what is my teacher aid, Eric? It is a tool that allows educators to leverage AI so that they can be more creative in less time and cater to the individual student needs in their classroom. Te teachers just have no time. We've always said that. I mean, teachers have never really had time. But, you, you know, you talk to a teacher back in the day, they were busy. But now we have emails and individual learning plans and online learning management systems. And, man, you, you can only juice the lemon so hard. I think that's why so many teachers are burning out. So we're developing a tool at the moment. It's in a pre-pilot phase, but it's going to allow educators to, with simple input and a few clicks of a button, get fantastic world-class results out of the artificial intelligence we've trained for education. So there's so many questions in that, but but start with with this because I, I affirm a lot of what you're saying, you know, and I see it all around the world, but here, especially in the United States and North America, similar issues with well-being, burnout, um, a disinterest in going into the profession because we see the amount of work that it takes. And, and then I think, um, you know, something else that that you had mentioned is is that idea of it's just more work. I remember when I first started in the profession 25 years ago, and I look at the profession now, and I just I just notice the the amount and and it and it is I think what you're getting at too. It's not the work that we were trained to do as high quality professionals. It's just tasks and duties and responsibilities that get in the way of the really good work. And, and so, 
as a as a teacher, how did you determine to say, hey, I want to help and I want to do it through AI? Well, it, it wasn't a simple process and I guess really anything ever is. I've always been a fairly entrepreneurial bloke. So I like to start things just between you and I, Eric, make sure you don't tell anyone, but I haven't been that good throughout my life at sticking with things over really long periods of time, but I'm great at starting them. So, um, you know, I like starting blogs. I have a podcast that I absolutely love called the Christian education podcast. And so that, that sort of framework in my mind was already ticking along. My best mate and co-founder, Jacob, he is the opposite in that he likes to get really granular, nitty gritty. And so I had this big picture idea, we can leverage AI to help teachers. And he had this very um, in-depth understanding of how AI worked and how you could use um, open AI's API to use a whole lot of acronyms to create a tool and all this sort of stuff. So the big picture and the small picture came together providentially with my best mate and I, and then we said, oh, look, I reckon we can do this. Uh, permit me one moment. Let me tell you this story. It's funny. So we were working with some, um, we're working on trying to get this AI built. And we thought it would be really simple and really easy. It was neither of those things. We also thought it would be cheap. It also wasn't that. So we, we put some money towards it. And then we thought, crumbs, that's not even, that's a drop in the ocean to what we're going to need. We ended up meeting with some good friends who own a marketing firm. You know, my friend and I were willing to put in um, a couple of grand each. The friends at the marketing firm said, hey, you know, you said it's expensive. We might be able to help you. We've got good contacts. We've got in-house guys. Um, so we met with them over dinner and they said, look, we can do you a deal. We'll be able to do the whole thing. We'll be able to build it and market it for only $100,000. And we said, well, you know, we've tried to keep the poker face, but we said, well, the dream is dead. We're not going to be able to do it. Um, however... During our conversation, they bought into the vision so much and they were good friends of ours and fellow Christians uh, that they said, look, we'll do it all for no money and we want to partner with you in the building of this and we, we want to run it with you and we want to bless educators with you. So we were very thankful, actually, Eric. It's, it, so many things have aligned in the building and production of this AI that we're, that we're working on. I love it. It's good to have friends. That's truly like the amazing part of a little bit of that story. One of the things that you mentioned on your website, and it's a conversation that I had a couple months ago with a friend as we were preparing and starting to play with and starting to use a lot of AI tools. And on your website, you talk about it not being a tool, but being a partner. Help people understand that, because I think when I talk to most educators, they still look at it as a tool rather than saying, you know what, this can truly be a partner. And I've I've been I changed my thinking about three, four months ago when my friend and I had that conversation to say, OK, how does this become a partner? So help us think through or talk through like why you chose the partner idea and really kind of emphasize that rather than this just being another tool in the toolbox. Oh, that's a really good question, Eric. One of the framing metaphors that I use for artificial intelligence, especially um, generative AI, text-based that teachers are using most of the time, is that it is like a teacher aid, right? And that's why we called our AI my teacher aid. It's, it's good in that 
we frame the metaphor as if, say, you've been given an extra $60,000 by your school or however much, and you've decided to spend that all on a teacher aid. And so they can do a lot of the grunt work for you. Now, of course, you still need to have the creative impulse, right? You still need to say, I want a lesson on this sequence. Uh, I need it to go for this long. I want it to hit these points in our curriculum and I want them to display their learning in this way. So you still need to be the brains of the operation, but then imagine if, you know, like many lawyers do or many politicians do, you could actually hand that off to an assistant and then they would do the rough first draft for you. Now, of course, what they produce and what the AI produces, you're not going to run with it. You're not going to take it and put it straight in the classroom, just like I wouldn't if I had an actual teacher aid creating resources for me. But it's going to do a lot of the legwork for me and allow me to do the things that I think as an educator I'm, I'm really good at, which is big picture, direction setting. It's uh, editing down and making sure resources are well fitted to my students in my classroom. So what does it remove then? Well, just the grunt work of turning those five or 10 bullet points into a two page long learning sequence and unit plan, because that just takes ages. As we said, we don't have time. We're spending time we don't have doing basic administrative tasks. So that's why we talk about it like a teaching partner, because that's the main metaphor we use. It is your teacher aid. You give it the basic direction, it will give you the, a really good rough first draft, but then of course you exercise your professional discretion and wisdom in making sure it is well tailored to your classroom and your students. So, so when you work with, with teachers on this, like, you know, and you're working with two things. One, where are you seeing teachers use it really, really well? And then number two, how are you helping teachers who are maybe a little bit nervous or anxious about it? How are you helping them kind of just get over that hump and get into it to see if if this can be the partner that they need to make their work mm. you know more fulfilling in some ways? That's a really good question. Now, I'll speak broadly about artificial intelligence here because my teacher aid, uh, that's actually in the pre-pilot phase. Lord willing, we're going to have our pilot in September where we're going to allow a whole bunch of Australian educators to use it. And then we're going to have a North American pilot later and an Indian pilot after that. Um, however, most educators I find, Eric, are incredibly hesitant when it comes to AI. Now, there could be a few things there. I work at a Christian school, so people have some theological quibbles. And I think, actually, they can be resolved by searching the scriptures and thinking clearly. I don't think artificial intelligence is something Christians need to worry about. In fact, I think we need to see that it actually presents us with enormous opportunities, not to be less human, but to actually be more human, to spend more time thinking and reflecting and being creative and uh, exercising professional discretion and less time doing the basic low value administrative tasks. Now, how, who have I seen using it well? really people who have been willing to put in the time and the legwork because this happens all the time, Eric. People say chat GPT is a waste of time. It gives me bland, boring output. And I say to those teachers, actually, you're right, it does. Well, at least it gives it to you because you're using bland and boring prompts, all right? It's a conversation with something. If you're not using good conversational turns, 
if you don't know how to actually engage with something, it's going to be rubbish. Like, yeah, of course, everything looks the same to you because all your prompts are the same. It's the basic garbage in, garbage out principle that I talk about so much. Uh, for the maths teachers listening, perhaps they'll prefer uh, angle in equals angle out. If you come in at a really bad angle, of course, it's going to bounce back in a, a bad direction. So teachers who have been really willing to invest the time and mental energy and sort of get in the sandbox and play around, they're the people really benefiting. But of course, that's why we created my teacher aid, Eric, because if I talk to teachers and I say, hey, you know what you've got to invest? Time and mental energy. They're going, hey, those are two things I don't got. All right? I don't have time. I don't have mental energy. I'm pedaling as fast as I can just to keep my head above water here. And so what we've done with our AI is train it on specific prompts so that teachers don't have to invest time or effort or energy into learning how to interact with an AI. They can simply put in a few bits of information and with a click of the button, we'll run it through our AI that we've trained. For example, our lesson planning prompt is 2,100 words, right? So it's actually allowing someone to get the full benefit of AI expertise just with really simple, basic input. It, it's so funny because I, I had that same conversation with a the teacher. They're like, you know, I keep getting kind of like this bland, boring result. And I'm like, just imagine how your students feel, <laughs> you know, but, but there, but there is that idea. Okay. So, so in, in the perceived future, right. Your hope, Give us, because like, because I've started messing around with it in the sense that um, I've built lessons with it. I've built, um, you know, with AI in general, right? When I first started, you know, playing around with AI back in December, you know, especially with chat GPT when it first kind of came out. But lesson plans, um, I've asked it, asked it to help me kind of create some project-based um, sorts of assessments. Um, I actually used it to kind of craft and write a journal article that was really not good, um, but it <laughs> but it actually gave me something to think about as I as I actually wrote my journal article, um, and and I've used it for um, especially for um, other people as in their writing process, people who are maybe a little bit more nervous. In your perceived future with this, like, what do you hope it'll be able to help the teacher with? And what do you hope it'll help them be able to do specifically in accelerating kind of their work and, and ultimately student learning? Well, my big vision for educators, Eric, is that we'd be able to spend our time doing what we do best. Now, what don't we do best? Perhaps we're not the best at getting to inbox zero all the time. Perhaps we're not the best at dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's administratively. But what are we good at doing? Well, we're good at thinking creatively. We're good at reflecting. We're good at pondering and wondering and praying and being present and engaged with our students. Now, all those things take time. But that's time we can have if we get in the fast lane with our administration, right? If we're, if we're not taking 25 minutes to write an email to colleagues, right? If we can get a really good rough first draft, for our from AI, and we can tweak it a little bit, and a 25-minute task becomes a five-minute task. And what do you have? You've got 20 minutes remaining. Now, those little efficiencies, if we can find them, some of the early pre-pilot work we're doing with my teacher aid, for example, one educator talked to me, he said he's going to save six hours a week. Now that's mind-boggling, 
That's mind-boggling amounts of time. And of course, you would hope teachers aren't going to go, well, I guess I'll just go home early every day. What are they going to do? They're going to go, finally, I can exercise some creative energy, something I haven't been able to do for so long because I've been bogged down with low-level admin. You know, so I, I can be thinking earnestly about each student in my class and what they need. You know, I can think about differentiating resources so that everyone has access to the same learning because that's a creative task and it just takes time and it takes brain space. So my big vision, um, whether it's AI in general or my teacher aid, my big vision, Eric, is to let educators do what they do best. Let's get them doing the high level creativity, the reflecting, pondering, wondering, all that sort of stuff, because that's what we do well. Well, it's, it's usually those two things that, you know, anytime you talk to a teacher who really loves what they do, and even some of those teachers that you talked about that burned out, part of what leads them to burnout is they love the kids and they love their students. And when you talk about each student, they pour a lot of their time and energy into them. And they often, you know, and I'm used to being in high school, but I do know, you know, younger, you know, elementary or grammar school teachers, they love their subjects. And they love the they love their own learning too. And I think about like, hey, if if you could get a teacher six hours back, well, there's sleep, there's you know time with family, there's well being. Because then even in those places, that's where all of a sudden the creativity in the workplace to meet each student's needs or each student opportunity kind of hits. And that's where I gave a keynote recently at the Tasmanian State Conference for Christian Schools. And I said, what brought you in the profession? Because in Australia, we had a, recently a big study and people wanted to inspire the next generation. And that's great. That's really noble. I love it. And because we were Christians, we might also talk about discipleship or spiritual growth. And then I switched gears and I said, hey, look, what would push you out of the profession? And I could guarantee these teachers, it wasn't because they stopped caring about discipling the next generation or inspiring the next generation. It was because they felt their workload was unmanageable. So I think we need to give educators the benefit of the doubt here. Um, another distinction, and I've just been writing about this, it's going to go out in my uh, weekly newsletter soon, but there's a big difference between being tired in your work and tired of your work, Eric. And that's a distinction that I think the AI really cuts to the core of. I love being tired in my work. You know, if I can exercise good, uh, get the creative juices flowing, exercise my professional discretion, be reflecting um, and creating rich learning experiences, that's very tiring. My head, I'm asleep before my head hits the pillow, but boy, is that a good kind of tired. I love being that kind of tired. I've spent all my effort and energy in the way that I that deeply aligns with my values and my mission in life. But if I'm spending all my time doing low-level admin, I'm also tired, but I'm not tired in my work. I'm tired of my work, right? I'm, I'm actually getting pretty sick of it. And so I think AI will actually allow teachers to get that wholesome, robust, tired in their work and not that burnt out, fragile, tired of their work. Does that make sense? Makes great sense. It makes great sense. So, all right, question. I got two questions, two final questions for you. One is a little bit of a side note going back to something you said earlier, but it fits with all this because I do know as educators who step into this, and you mentioned especially kind of Christian educators, but people who come at it 
and they just had that big meeting with um, kind of ethics and AI. What would you say, you know, because you, you, you're fairly excited about this and so am I. And I don't, I guess I worry about that stuff later on, right? You know, but but what do you say to somebody who's resistant because they're worried about, you know, whether it's a, you know, whether it's their religious or in our case, Christian worldview coming through, how do I make sure it gets integrated or connected? Or even just some of the things, you know, here in Silicon Valley, California, right, where, you know, the ethics of it, like, people have maybe placed too much trust in it at times. So talk to me a little bit about the ethics and worldview real quick before I ask you a final question of encouragement. Fantastic. Yeah, look, great question. And we do need to be thinking about the ethics. Now, uh, one of the main things that teachers ask me about and that principals ask me about, whether it's AI in general or whether it's my teacher aid, is that, hey, we've heard that there's some issues, say, with unconscious bias in the now unconscious is strange because of course it's not conscious but we'll just call it bias there's bias in the ai um and i say yeah yeah look there probably is but you know what let me show you my grade nine geography textbook because there's bias in that too so what am i doing i'm exercising my professional discretion i'm making sure nothing hits my classroom unless it's been weighed and measured by myself so yeah you could point to some output and say yeah that's not so good but you know what, if I had, say, a first year university student intern working as a teacher aide, I'm pretty sure they'd churn out a bit of rubbish every now and again too, Eric. So what am I saying? I'm saying I'm using my professional discretion to edit and to massage and to mould whatever the output is, because that's what's going to hit my classroom. There's no way I would ever dream of just taking the output of a language model and running it straight in my classroom. So for the, for the bias, I think it's helpful to acknowledge that there are some biases just between you and I, I don't think they all flow in the same direction. So I, I think I think there are shortcomings, no matter, no matter, I've talked to people from all ends of the political and religious spectrum, and they all think they're getting a raw deal here. So, you know, I, I think there are biases, there are probably a whole lot of them. So let's be as switched on and as wise as possible when making it, uh, we're bringing it into our classroom. So, um, of course, there's also the idea of where does the data go? You know, I put data in. Now, not to put too fine a point on it, but for things like ChatGPT and BARD, they just take your data, right? They, they take your data, it goes into the model, they take your conversation, they take all the feedback. You might be okay with that. Look, personally, I would be very careful about pasting student work in there. Um, but for other services, like my teacher aid, we've been able to make sure that the data um, once it's been screened for use and abuse by OpenAI, it gets deleted. All right, so not all AI tools are the same. And if you're a teacher, it's worth looking into uh, where exactly does the data go? So they're the two big ethics, probably bias and where does my data go? In terms of the Christian worldview, and that's the worldview I'm operating within, I would say this, AI is a tool and God actually wants us to use tools. Right, so if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter one, God is, is telling Adam, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over everything. And not to put too fine a point on it, Eric, but as one theologian has said, Adam couldn't have even exercised dominion over a hedge without tools, let alone the whole world. You know, if, 
The whole world includes mountains. He's going to need shoes. He's going to need cold weather gear. If it, if it includes, you know, lakes and oceans, which it does, he's going to need boats. He's going to need, you know, of technology and tools are actually implicit within the dominion mandate that God has given us. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big believer in tools. In fact, I would say it, it's not like we're being less human if we're using tools. Actually, we can't be fully human without them, right? So we're not going against God's will using tools. Actually, we can't fully fulfill God's will without the tools. And now, look, there are, whole, there, there are several things in that explanation which you could double-click on. What does dominion mean? You know, that word's been... It's a great word. It's been ruined by a few selfish people, but, but I like it. I don't like giving up words. So, you know, if we had two hours, I'd explain what I meant by dominion. We could sort of go into further how AI is a tool, but that's my really big picture overview. AI is a tool. God wants us to use tools. They are completely implied within his calling upon humanity to exercise a loving care and kindness and dominion in the earth. Um, and that we should not be squeamish about them. In fact, we can actually better do the very thing God has called humanity to do by using tools. Well, it's that redemptive nature of it, right? You know, as, as you walk into it, is we, we bring the redemptive, the, we re, bring the redemptive nature to our work, and this helps us to do that. And it's, and it's part of that partnership and that kind of relationship with technology now that's, 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 you know, that's kind of moving into this new world that's so amazing. So, okay, so close us out with this because most of the people that listen to me are not the skeptics. They're, you know, they're, they're my friends, the innovators, the ones on the front end, right? And you talked about being a starter. I, I feel very much of the same way. I love getting things started. I love bringing everybody into the, to the mess of it all and say, hey, let's figure this out. But what would be your encouragement to the crew of innovators that are the starters like you to say, hey, let's let's go and then and then bring others with us? Well, I think the really big important part of that question there, Eric, was about bringing other people with us. So I hang out personally, I hang out in certain parts of Twitter that make it seem like, Everyone knows about AI, and in fact, the AI market is already saturated and there's no room. So for the, for the innovators, I would say, hey, there's plenty of room for you. Keep innovating. Keep in JavaScript has been around for 20 years, yet there are still people launching businesses, teaching people how to code with JavaScript. I mean, it's 20 years old. AI has been here just so briefly. There is room for you. But the interesting thing about these great online networks things that by God's grace have allowed you and I to meet Eric and us to have this conversation, all that sort of stuff. Well, they can also give you, and this is um, probably the problem with a whole lot of other things too, but they can give you a very false sense of reality. I had parent-teacher meetings last night. I'll have them again tonight. And what happened? Well, I talked to five or 10 parents who had never heard of ChatGPT ever. All right, so I'm spending half an hour a day in AI, Twitter, and certain parts of LinkedIn where we're, we're getting really out on the skinny branches. How can we use this thing super effectively, all that sort of stuff? I would say I'm convinced AI will be a force for good. At least we can use it as a force for good to help teachers stay in schools, to help people organize their lives and so on. Bring people with you. All right, I would actually be working, if you're an innovator in this space, if you're really excited about AI, 
I'd be working on being able to explain it simply. Okay, it's, it takes a really smart, I think it was Einstein who said, it takes a smart person to explain something simply. I've seen a lot of people give a 35 minute long word salad when it comes to AI and how, and that doesn't help anyone because what do you do? I mean, we're teachers, right? We know what happens if a student gets overwhelmed, they just switch off. So I would say actually work at explaining AI simply, talk about the features, talk about the benefits, talk about the problems and the possibilities well so that we can actually get a whole lot of people involved. Because as I said, I'm convinced, Eric, that this is going to be a real force for good within our profession of education and further afield as well. Paul, I'm 100% on board with you. So wherever you're going, I want to come with. Um, but Paul, tell us real quick where, because you mentioned Twitter, obviously the website, but give us a little, some of those places where people can get connected with you. Great. Well, I appreciate you lobbing me that softball there, Eric. Um, that's very kind of you. Look, if you go, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Paul Matthews. Now, Matthews has two T's and the L in Paul is the number one, right? So that's at Paul Matthews, two T's and the number one. If you go to myteacheraid.com, now, I don't know how you spell it in the States, but in Australia, it's A-I-D-E. So myteacheraid.com. You can apply for our pilot. As I said, we're going to have a North American pilot soon. One of the cool things about our tool is it not only gives you access to a well-trained AI for educators, but we also have a database of curriculum, right? ChatGPT often just makes stuff up. We have a database with curriculum in it. And so if we know that there are a whole bunch of people, say from Silicon Valley, well, we can look and see if there are any specific curricula we can import just to make the tool that much better for educators. So you can apply to be part of our pilot uh, at myteacheraid.com. Um, I also host a, uh, I say host, I also send out a, a weekly, optimistically, in reality, probably fortnightly email called uh, the AI for Teachers Digest. So you can, people will be able to find that on Twitter as well. And that's just where I'm sending out my thoughts and pointing people in the direction of really good resources on AI. Paul, incredible. Thank you for taking time with us today. I can't wait to meet you someday. And I'm all in on this. So wherever I can help, I'm, I'm happy to share. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been a real treat speaking with you.